Hey, this is Gerd Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love. Inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Tundel and today I have a special guest with me who is helping people to connect deeply from within. Ruby Warrington is a British writer, author and thought leader and the former features editor on the Sunday Times Style Supplement magazine. She is the founder of Numinous and co-founder of Sober Curious and guides people to tap into their inner power and truth. She believes we can all live a high vibe life. Ruby, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show and thank you for joining us in this space today. Thanks so much for having me. It's really good to be here, finally. Oh, I know, right? We've been planning this for how many months? <laughs> but it, it's... My first book came out. Wow. But I guess, you know, it's in divine timing, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So, Ruby, I wanted to talk about your personal story because it really interests me. Um, so what was your life like before you founded The Nominous? Um, it's actually The Numinous. Oh, Numinous, but, sorry. Um, that's, <laughs> it's, a funny, it's a funny word and it's so funny actually. So many people when I first launched the project, like when I say people, I mean kind of like marketing people and web experts and designers and things, but you can't call it that because no one knows that word. Like mm. no one's going to remember it and find it. And I was a bit like, but I love the word so much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a funny one, and I have to spell it out. When I start my email to people in shops and stuff all the time, I'm like, okay, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> I love the word. Um, so before launching The Numinous, which was in 2013, I was um, a, free, a magazine lifestyle journalist in London and had studied at London College of Fashion and pursued wow. a very kind of uh, mainstream but quite glossy sort of career doing fashion magazine and lifestyle journalism in the UK. Um, and I guess in terms of what my life was like, it was pretty fabulous on paper. Like, you know, I got invites to all the openings, um, free clothes, free holidays, all the things that you kind of expect in a way that we sort of see in media depictions of what that glitzy media life is like. All of that was there for me. Um, but I really, after a good 10 years in the industry, it really was wearing very, very thin. And I found myself in a deep sort of existential crisis in a way, just really questioning why, despite having all these external trappings of success, I still felt this really deep emptiness inside and, and life just began to feel more and more meaningless. I really didn't think I was contributing much of, of real value in the world, I suppose, which is not to belittle the media or to say that there isn't value, obviously, in the media. And I loved so much of what I did, but for me personally, it just started to feel quite shallow and I knew that there was something else out there for me which is around the idea that I had around the time that I had the idea for the numinous um which is ultimately it's an online publication and event series I suppose um that covers every aspect of modern spirituality from astrology which is kind of my first love through tarot shamanism energy work all sorts of different ideas about um yeah emotional and spiritual well-being I suppose and that's, it, it very much reflects what I needed mm. in my life at that time. There wasn't really, and this is, I had the idea back in sort of 2011, there wasn't really much out there 
in the sort of popular media space that was covering any of these topics. Yeah. And so I really wanted to, I knew how much I needed information about all of these things and access to these tools and practices, but there was nothing really at the time that spoke to me or made it accessible um, or made it relevant to modern life. And so that was the idea behind the numinous. I just want to say I absolutely relate with what you're saying I was actually in the journalism world as well um, but in the broadcasting side and I had a bit of a I guess it's the same thing a spiritual like awakening in 2012 and you know kind of like yourself like I did everything and I loved the industry but there was something missing in my soul and it was itching it was like I don't know what it is but I need to find out and so in 2012 I walked away from everything and was just like I'm done enough is enough and I just went on this massive spiritual awakening and then realized I love talking to people ended up having like the radio show then having a podcast and then um, empowering women to be like the best version of themselves it all was it was like it was almost it was always there I just hadn't learned how to tap into it was that the same for yourself yeah, I think so. I mean, I think even when I was, you know, I I was drawn to the world of fashion, largely, I think, out of low sense of self-esteem myself. I discovered mm. like, early in my childhood, even, the way that having the right clothes could make me feel better about myself and help me to feel like I fit in. Wow. So I was drawn to fashion, but then I didn't study fashion design or styling. I actually did journalism because what I loved the most was telling stories mm. and and that evolved into more sort of social trend pieces. And I discovered that what I really loved to write about was, yeah, the social trends, like what was everybody into and what was everybody feeling? And I think that just was a reflection of what was my true sort of path or calling, which was really, yeah, to, to dive into an investigation of human nature, like who we are as human beings, what makes us happy, what's important to us, what's, what makes life meaningful. So those big questions were, I think, always what I wanted to seek to answer with my work and for a while I was able to do that or at least I, I was getting close to that in my magazine career I worked for the Sunday Times style magazine and I used to write lots of those kind of like social trend pieces you know that were, that were sort of getting under the skin of popular culture I suppose um but yeah ultimately it needed I, it needed to go deeper <laughs> and I became less and less interested with the kind of glossy sheen of all the external stuff it yeah. just seems just began to feel really meaningless and, and which is not to say you know I still love beautiful clothes mm. and I still love have beautiful things but um not by no means is that like the be all and end all of what I'm seeking in life or what I find valuable you know yeah when did you come out of the closet <laughs> <laughs> well I moved to New York in 2012 and that's when I really started putting in the groundwork for the project in earnest so wow. funnily I didn't I didn't really come out of the closet to my old UK colleagues and friends. <laughs> and my first book came out, which was in the summer of 2017, at which point I think everybody kind of had a bit of a double take and was like, whoa, you moved to New York, now you've turned into this weird hippie, like Gwyneth Paltrow wannabe kind of person. <laughs> it was a little bit of like, huh? what happened? Um, but in the meantime, I had, you know, moving to a different country and anybody who's had the opportunity to go and live in a different city or even a different country will relate to this, I'm sure. There's a sense of having a bit of a clean slate. Mm. And as soon as I hit the ground there, I was began investigating and really diving into the, the modern sort of spiritual wellness scene there. And so everyone I know in New York always knew me as Numinous Ruby, you know? Right. But yeah, the first chapter, the first chapter of my first book, which is called Material Girl, Mystical World, 
um, is called coming out of the spiritual closet because it did feel a bit like this kind of big reveal. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I I totally understand. Like I I went to Canada and worked for a news channel called C3 National News. And it's like you're almost leading like a double life in the beginning Mm. because you don't know really how to explain to everybody like, hey, I'm on a new journey. And that's why I wanted to create the numinous because I felt like let's just make this not seem scary and woo woo and weird. Let's just make this seem like as a, as much a part of your wellness regime as your green juice and your yoga class or whatever, you know. Mm. But these other more mystical or spiritual topics are actually super relevant to all of us um, and can be so beneficial to be um, investigated and embraced. Oh my god, absolutely, absolutely. Especially, oh, I, I'm obsessed with astrology. <laughs> right? It's such an amazing tool for yeah. understanding ourselves and the world around us, and that's really how I use it. Not at all in the sort of predictive and sometimes quite scaremongering way that a lot of people might have experienced it in kind of weekly or monthly horoscopes in the papers. You know, it's very yeah. different when you begin mm. to use astrology for yourself and actually be able to read your own birth chart, and you can use it as a way to just understand the parts of yourself that are maybe a little hidden from view or that you've maybe been taught are not so acceptable, you know? Mm. I find it to be an amazing tool for self-acceptance, actually. It's pow- Yeah, it's absolutely powerful. And mm. even, like, new, like, the full moon and the new moon, I don't, like... None of us like grew up knowing this stuff, and it's it's no. so. <laughs> it's like I wish I had this when I was in school, so when I was like, I can manifest like the grades I wanted, and you know. Right. Or at least know, you know, to talk about manifestation is a funny word, isn't it? I think yeah. there's like, um, there's, an, there's an implication that somehow you, it's something magical, yeah. or there's some kind of alchemy and you need a secret to be able to crack a secret code to be able to manifest. But ultimately it's about really um, being so attuned with mm. you, yourself, your needs and your environment that you're actually empowered to make exactly the right choices for you, to meet your own needs and in doing so, really bring about or bring to pass the circumstances that you need to quote unquote manifest what you want in your life. Yeah. It's actually much, it's much more, I think, about valuing yourself and knowing yourself and making choices in alignment with that than it is about, you know, doing a vision board and kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking to your guides every day. Although, of course, you can do those things yeah. too. They're almost like the external piece of the puzzle. And the real, I think, work of manifestation begins inside with, like I said, really knowing yourself and what exactly you want. Hmm. I think as well, it's taking the action as well. I think a lot of people, like you said, like they manifest and they're like, why is it not happening? It's like you've got to take this next step and make implement those actions to go there. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's numinous, right? I'm going to get this right. It's a bit like luminous. Ah, right. I remember this. (laughs) So, you know. It's a beautiful word. And it really describes the the definition I was given when I first heard it was that numinous speaks to that which is unknown or unknowable. And Mm. to me, it conjured up this whole idea of like the unseen realms, the parts, the sort of magical or feeling part of life or intuitive part of life that we can't really put into words and we can't see or touch but we just sort of know is happening all around us and through us, you know? Wow, that's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That feels so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so my dear, you know, um, you know, you created Numinous. So anybody who's not heard of it before, you know, it's about, 
you, you share about um, astrology, tarot cards, um, also about new moons and full moons. What else would you describe it to somebody who's not heard of it before? Well, I mean, over the years, it's kind of had various different, it's sort of gone in different, slightly different streams as my own interests have kind of ebbed and flowed in different areas. And really going forward, it's coming much more back into really helping people get deep into understanding astrology and how they can use it as a tool for growth and a tool for self-acceptance. Like I said, I've actually got in summer 2019, a new project, um, that I've been working on is it's called the Numinous Astro Deck. So it's beautifully wow. illustrated deck of cards that's designed to help you learn how to read your own birth chart and oh. other people's charts. So we're kind of, so I'm kind of the Numinous is going more down the astrology route, but certainly in the archives you can find articles on and anything really to do with sort of modern spirituality. Um, whether it's working with angels and guides, whether it's numerology, whether it's tarot, like you like you said, and we do still. You know, we run horoscopes and um, new moon and full moon posts every week. We have tarot scopes every week. And we still have guest articles. For example, last week, um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guest article from somebody on why how to make skincare a spiritual practice. Oh. And we make the skincare regime a very holistic experience on an emotional, spiritual level as much as a physical level. And I also recently launched my own podcast, which is called The Now Age. Oh. That also just reflects the fact that over my years as a journalist, I've met and interviewed, I've spent my whole career interviewing people. Mm. And it really got to a point where I realized there's only so much you can actually get into a written interview and being able to share something like yeah. this, you get so much more of the person. It's so much more of a holistic and involving and inclusive experience. Mm. Um, so I'm switching up more of the kind of long form interviews or in-depth article ideas to a podcast format which is feels really exciting it's it's so exciting (laughs) um it just because i obviously being in the broadcast world it's a very you only get a short snippet of somebody in like those five minutes whereas with a podcast it's like you get to know that person's journey and that is what i love to hear like you know this is where you were before and this is where you are now and these are the steps that you can do and it's just so powerful for everyone that listens to it yeah it's it's something else and <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk to you about your new book called Sober Curious that came out in January that's right yes it did in the UK so could you tell us a bit about it and what it's about yeah absolutely so back in my old magazine life um my my kind of popular persona was cocktail girl I called her cocktail girl <laughs> <laughs> I was you know like I said, like, there were kind of events and launches every night, all of them washed down with like copious amounts of free alcohol. And it was just throughout my <laughs> 20s and into my 30s, I really drank quite heavily looking back. Although at the time, I didn't really think I was, like I wasn't actually drinking any more than anyone else I knew, probably less than quite a few of my friends actually. But alcohol was just a really constant steady stream in my life. Um, and it was towards the, around the same time that I moved to New York and began working on the Numinous, I really began to question how my alcohol consumption was actually impacting my overall well-being. I suppose particularly Mm -hmm. I was really beginning to investigate for myself. Why was I feeling this kind of sense of emptiness? Why was there this unease in my life and and this anxiety that seemed to be crowding my days as a result? And I began to really pinpoint through trial and error and just deep kind of personal investigation that alcohol was actually playing a large role in contributing to those feelings. Mm -hmm. And it's around that time I, I called that process getting sober curious because I wasn't 
I wasn't taking myself to AA and getting quote unquote sober, but I was really um, investigating what it, I began to investigate what it would be like to live without alcohol, just to abstain from alcohol in the name of my well-being and my productivity and really, yeah, creating a life for myself that felt aligned with who I really am. And actually, I, I, I realized that removing alcohol, as difficult and complicated as it felt sometimes, was a very integral part of that, actually. And it's not really something that gets spoken about very openly in wellness circles, even now, unless you unless you have a, again, I'm you know doing air quotes as I say it, because this is a very <laughs> loose term, right? Unless you have a problem with alcohol, and I say that because an alcohol problem could look vastly different depending who you're speaking to. Yeah. Um, there's never really any, it's our, our, the way we drink and the fact that alcohol is so interwoven with every, every aspect of our society is never really brought into question. Mm-hmm. And that just began to feel more and more at odds to me. It's like, how can we, how can we never talk about the fact that so many of us just drink? because it's normal and it's expected and it's just what people do and it has all these negative side effects that we just call hangovers that actually can last for days and actually can impact every part of our well-being from our you know physical mental to our emotional spiritual well-being and yet we just kind of we're just taught to accept that and not to question it and it seems began to feel more and more um yeah just kind of strange to me And so about five years into my own questioning and gradual kind of removal of alcohol from my life, I started an event series in New York called Club Soda NYC that was designed to actually bring this conversation out in the open. And I would have panel discussions and interactive games and guest talkers and all sorts um, just talking about this subject of being sober curious. And so all of the um, wisdom gained from my own personal journey and from running the event series is what I've put into this book. And it's the book is an invitation to anybody, regardless of whether they identify as having an alcohol problem, to question, or just quest, you know, just question lovingly, begin some inquiry into the way you drink, um, and to ha- as to how ha- and, and to really kind of look at the different ways that it impacts your life. So it's very open-minded it's super non-judgmental in fact that's one of the the words that comes up the most often when people describe it but it seemed to me like it was a big missing piece in the whole kind of wellness puzzle that wasn't necessarily being addressed yeah I I completely relate with you and what you're saying because it was last month that it's been six years of my own anniversary and it's oh you're right when you become curious about why you're drinking and why you're you're going on those nights and drinking excessively you start to understand actually it's there's a deeper underlying issue as to why you're doing it and I don't know if yourself um Ruby mine was kind of to do with my emotions I wasn't very good at handling my emotions when I was in the journalism world but also my personal life so alcohol was a way of me suppressing my emotions Mm -hmm. and it was only in 2012 when I kind of stepped back from the career path and really kind of looked into myself I started to think hey let me just not drink for a week <laughs> and see what happens. And then a week turned into six months, six months turned into a year. Then it, okay. it, it just, it just flew. And amazing. I feel so like you're curious too. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if like yourself, do you feel that with, with being sober that you, your spirituality became more, oh, not alert. What's the word? Like, I don't Aware. know. So for me, I talk about awareness and yeah. I think that, you know, in, 
In Buddhist meditation practice, for example, they speak about meditation as a practice to expand our awareness. Mm. And actually our true essential spiritual self is pure awareness. Right? Our self is not our body, it's not our blonde, it's not my blonde hair, it's not my name Ruby, it's not like any of the, the, the trappings of my external world, like my pure self is just my awareness. And I think what I've really noticed with not drinking is that my awareness is just getting larger and wider and more and more expansive, I'm becoming more and more aware. And the thing is, yeah, you, most of us, when we actually really start to dive into it or dig into it, we use alcohol to dumb down our awareness because there are things in our awareness that are painful, that are difficult, that are confrontational, that make us uncomfortable and that require us to make often changes in our lives, which can seem very difficult. So yeah, for me, it's been about expanding my awareness, um, sort of amplifying my sense of self in a way. And yes, I think all of us, well, all of us deep down, use alcohol to manipulate our emotions whether it's whether it's not to feel a certain way or whether it's more to feel a way that we think we want to feel um but for me as well it was about confidence most definitely it was something I used to make me feel more confident more extroverted and more sure of myself when actually I was very shaky on the inside I'd had a a really abusive relationship from the age of 16 to 22 with a much older guy. And I had an eating disorder the whole time. And I never really kind of, when I, when I kind of freed myself from that situation, I never, I, I dove straight into my magazine career. I was 22 and, and into drinking. And I never really put the puzzle pieces together until I wrote about it in my book that actually I used alcohol as a way to just kind of like gloss over all of the damage that had been done to my self-esteem mm. during that period. And so then I had to sort of, when I removed the alcohol, <laughs> repair, repair that once and for all, which is where it go, where it kind of dovetails with the Numinous story because so many of the tools that I've written about and investigated for the Numinous are actually the things I've used to help restore my sense of self-esteem and to build my own confidence and, and self-love and trust in myself, you know? Yeah, it's it's so powerful when you we start to question things and I feel, I feel like like what you're saying everything as well that your intuition sharpens as well a lot more mm-hmm. so you're aware of certain situations or people's energies where you would have never really noticed that when you were drinking exactly maybe because you were drunk or maybe because you <laughs> maybe if you felt weird around someone or you felt yeah. uncomfortable in a situation you might put it down to not having a drink or you might put it yeah. down to being hungover when actually it's your body telling giving you some really important information <laughs> of a situation you're in and yeah, increasing, expanding our awareness and, and really learning to work with all of our different emotions and feeling states rather than dulling them down or numbing them out is, is literally how we learn to work with our intuition. Yeah. And I feel also as well that it's, it's not just the emotions we're going through, if it's a cultural thing. So kind of like myself, Rubia, I grew up with like being Indian and like oh you can drink a lot and so watching that as a kid like oh, I can drink loads and then I used to have competitions at university so I guess it's being aware of your surroundings as well and how that affects why you do what you do yes exactly definitely the thing is our environment everything in our environment impacts the way that we feel mm-hmm. whether it's you know what we're eating and drinking whether it's the physical space we're in whether it's the people that we're 
around or whether it's the conversations we're having or even whether it's the media we're consuming and being more and more aware of your environment is actually what um is what yeah allows you to discern properly what you want to allow in to your field or not you know (laughs) and what you and how you begin to discern what's actually right for you and what empowers you and what makes you feel weaker and drained you know Mm. and so yeah cultivating an awareness of everything that's in our environment is a really hugely important part of manifesting a life that we want that feels aligned i love it (laughs) can you tell us what your favorite part of the book is my favorite part of the book Mm. um i I really i mean i really like the introduction where i sort of lay out my my approach and relate it to my personal story because i think it sets the tone for the whole book really well um, like I said, it's completely non-judgmental. It's not saying that drinking or not drinking is right or wrong. It removes any kind of like moral ideas around it. It's mm-hmm. not about being good or anything being good or bad. Um, and I'm just really pleased with the tone that it sets for the whole book. And then I guess also I really like the last chapter. It's called Vision for a Hangover-Free Society. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like zooms out and gets a big picture and really asks us to imagine what life would be like if we were never hungover. <laughs> like, <laughs> more energy, clarity, optimism. Um, we'd have how much more connected we would feel to one another, how much more self-belief we'd have in terms of mm. the difference in the world. It's just, I, it's really inspiring, I think. Oh, amazing. I'm going to have to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just knowing, your, like you said before, your awareness of why you do what you do and especially drinking will help you to really discover who you truly are and what you're here to do in this world yeah exactly and it might not happen overnight as well yeah. I mean I, and you'll probably you'll be aware of this six years in it's like it's not it's not that you stop drinking and all of a sudden everything kind of falls into place oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you stop drinking and you realize how much stuff you have to actually deal with and sort out before you can start really well while while you start you know mm. making positive changes and and really starting to use your power and connect and use your power in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely uh, not for the faint of heart, but then none of us are faint of heart. I think that we're actually all so much stronger and so much more resilient than we've often been led to believe. Mm. And for, if anything, like the challenges of getting sober curious can help us to really understand that, you know, can help us to really connect to that. Yeah. Guys, do buy the book because I think it's definitely going to help you guys to really understand what's holding you back. Even if it's not alcohol, it could be something else to help you in order to move forward and just live life on your own terms. Yeah, and I think the thing is, yes, the sort of the overall message and many of the insights and the techniques, I suppose, and advice from the book can be applied to any kind of substance or behavior that we might be using to play small or to not really confront some of the bigger challenges in our lives and that can be like I said you know I had an eating disorder and actually the whole time I was in that I was also numbing out using that you know because I was obsessively counting calories (laughs) rather than using all of my kind of brain power and to to focus on an energy to focus on that you know it was kind Mm. of another way of checking out in a way and I think that social media is now a huge way that we almost can't help but get sucked into addictive use with as well. So it can be applied to anything that you think you might be using as a way to check out. Yeah, amazing. Thank you, Ruby. And I've got a few more questions left for you. 
Um, yeah. We are coming towards the end of the show. So the first question is, what, um, what are your five top tips for someone who is wanting to become sober but doesn't know where to start? Well, the first one is to just stop drinking. Like, <laughs> it sounds so obvious, but um, literally the first step is to just not drink. And depending on how ingrained drinking culture is in your life, it could be quite surprised at how difficult that can be sometimes. Mm. Um, another one, if you're really serious about um, experiencing life without alcohol, is to, I would say, commit. I'd, I prefer not to put too many rules around things, but commit to at least one to three months of not drinking mm. to really give yourself an extended period to get it fully out of your system and to experience all the different parts of your life without alcohol. Um then I would also say it really helps to know why you're doing it and to actually write down your reasons for getting sober curious somewhere that you can refer back to them, whether it's in the notes app on your phone, whether it's a sticky on your desktop, or whether it's in an actual journal. Just make a little list of all the reasons why you want to get sober curious so that you can look back at them in times that it might feel challenging. I'd also definitely recommend finding someone to do this with you, um, mm. some kind of an accountability buddy. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's going to get fully sober curious with you, but someone who's who's curious at least. So if you, you know, you're going to a party or an event where you know you might feel pressure to drink, you can maybe ask someone to come along with you who's going to be on the same tip. And then another really good one, a very practical thing for if you're if you are going to be socializing, whether you're going for dinners or, you know, going to parties or whatever, um, you don't want to drink, bring your own drink, bring something tasty for yourself to drink. So you could, so you don't have to be like, yeah, okay, I'll have some water or whatever, you know, just, there are so many, it's really interesting. I'm here in the UK at the moment and the, the alcohol free drinks market here is really booming. There are so many cool brands now mm. Alcohol-free alternatives that are more grown up and more interesting than like a diet coke or a soda water, you know. So yeah, find find yourself an alternative drink um, to take with you places or to order when you're out, um, so that you don't feel like you're being left out when everyone else is getting around to drinks. In amazing, I I totally relate with the last one that you were saying because when I started on my journey, <laughs> I would buy mocktails, so it just right. kind of made me feel like I was having a cocktail, but not. right. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it does, exactly. And I think most, a lot of the time, if you ask the bartender to, hey, can you just make me something tasty without alcohol in, they quite like the challenge, you know, depending yeah. where you are. But um, yeah, lots of them can be really sugary. So it's kind of nice to have, if you're not so into sweet drinks, it can be nice to have some other alternatives. I quite like just tonic water with a mm. splash, teeny splash of bitters in. It's quite nice sort of grown-up mm. tasting alternative. Nice. <laughs> I might have to try that. And alcohol free beer, but I was always a beer lover, so I really love the taste of beer. And alcohol free versions, honestly, I can barely taste the difference. In fact, on the couple of occasions where I've accidentally been given a, an alcoholic beer when I thought I was getting an alcohol free one, it tastes really weird. I'm like, oh, this is, is this off? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, it's just alcohol. It's just got alcohol in. Yeah. <laughs> it oh. tastes weirdly fermented and kind of off basically yeah <laughs> i relate i relate it's kind of weird when you if by accident you have alcohol again and it's like oh that doesn't yeah. feel right my body doesn't like that whereas it, no what if you think about it i mean we often have to force ourselves or train ourselves almost to enjoy alcohol so that's why it can take a while 
And now that I've been sober curious for so long and haven't drunk for so long, the thought of like having to retrain myself to enjoy alcohol, oh. just be like, oh my God, no, why would I do that? <laughs> it's almost like, I'm not letting you eat my body. Like, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, when I, I got so used to the feeling of just like, being really connected to my spirit and like my spirit is really buoyant in my body that even the thought of alcohol now it makes me feel kind of heavy and yeah just this heavy feeling like I can almost feel it on my chest mm. even thinking about it that's not even having a sip of it it's like my body knows oh. that it's poison and it that it just doesn't want it yeah it's powerful <laughs> when you're curious it's so powerful <laughs> wow um yeah I've got two more questions um what are you most grateful for? Um, most grateful for, um, I think I'm honestly most grateful for having parents who were who just always really let me pursue, who never tried to force me to be a certain way. Mm. You know? um, they have their other, they certainly have their other faults. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but they definitely always pursued me to just kind of, always encouraged me to pursue what I've found interesting and they never tried to impose a particular way of being on me and so I'm super grateful for that because I realise not very many people in the world get that. Many of us have parents who have big expectations for us and put up pressure on us to live a certain kind of life and so I'm super grateful I never had that. Bless them. (laughs) (laughs) And what shines your inner light? Um, Getting really great sleep. (laughs) I'm so, I mean, I'm so addicted to sleep and I protect my sleep now so fiercely. I've come to realize that, you know, our bodies want us to sleep eight hours a night for a reason because mm. our bodies actually really, really need it. And I just come, I just notice now how off I feel when I don't get a good night's sleep. Um, but also never, I mean, honestly, eight hours of drunk sleep is never as good as like four hours of sober sleep. So. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah sleep is like my number one wellness practice really oh, i love that it's, but, it's, it's, not but beyond that you know just having honestly having really great friendships friendships and relationships who with people who really accept me for who i am i think is oh. extremely important and i've always had great friends but since getting so my sober curious friendships just mm. it just hits it a level of kind of intimacy and trust yeah, it's those deeper conversations that you wouldn't have usually if you, yeah. had, you had that drink in your head. <laughs> you can have deep conversations, but you're kind of not, not it just feels like you are, you're not really, I've, I've realised since. Mm. Like real deep conversations require real vulnerability. Yeah. And often when we're drinking, even if we're being vulnerable and open, we can't really remember what we're saying or we <laughs> feel the emotional impact of what we're saying. So it didn't land in the same way. Yeah, that's so true. Mm. Wow, we could talk forever. <laughs> oh, thank you, Ruby, so much for, for sharing your story today and, you know, just showing that it is possible to to be curious about why things are happening in our life and that we can be sober if we, if we want to. So thank you for being a bright light in this world and helping so many other people to realise that anything is possible and if they want to live life on their terms, they can. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really happy we finally found the time to chat. Yay. Thank you. Wow, what a powerful interview with Ruby. It was just so lovely to talk to somebody who'd been in the journalism world and kind of had that curiosity to kind of discover who they truly were and what they were here to do in this world. 
you know, what Ruby talks about is so powerful that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's alcohol or if it's being a vegetarian or if it's something that's affecting you, that we can all be curious about it and discover how we feel about it and how we can transform to be the best vision and version of ourselves. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Don't forget, want to feel happier, healthier, energized and lit? I invite you to my VIP life coaching program where I've helped hundreds of women to quit self-sacrifice, reclaim their inner light, have joy and pure bliss in 60 days or less. If this resonates with you, I invite you to connect with me at www.gerdshundle.com. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not fighting the old, but on building the new. Take care and I'll see you in the next show. Bye.